So there's another way to think about success, and that way is undeniability. So what do we mean by undeniability? We mean that, well, you might like it or you might not like it, but you can't deny that it's great. Like you, may, you might not like musicals, but you can't see Hamilton and, and deny that it's great. You might not like you know, metal bands from the Midwest, but you can't see Slipknot and, and deny that it's great. There's a level of undeniability that's where we're all going. That's really what we want. And too often we get caught up in who likes it and who doesn't like it. And that's the dog chasing its tail in a circle, which is entertaining to watch and can be fun to play with, but it's no way to live. So undeniability is really the trick. And there's so many components to this. I mean, I don't think I could possibly remember all of them enough to, to make this clear, but I'm going to do my best. The first thing about undeniability has to be authenticity. If it's not authentic, then it smells of bullshit or commerce, and no one has time for bullshit or commerce. We are all thoroughly sick of being sold to, and we are inundated with information, and the bullshit meter in people is increasingly good, even in people who have a terrible bullshit meter. Like, you can't help but get better at your bullshit meter if you're paying even a modicum of attention in the information age. So authenticity has to be where we begin. And then from authenticity, we have to look at our work ethic, right? So everyone has natural talents and abilities at different levels. Some of it's genetic, some of it's environment. There's not much we can really do about that. So it's kind of pointless to think about it. I mean, some very talented people don't get anywhere and some very not talented people do very well. So it's kind of doubly pointless to think about it, but mostly it's just something we can't control. I mean, unless you believe that we choose our parents and we come into this life by choice, which is a podcast for another day. I'm going to skip that. Um, so we have the gifts that we have, and then what we do with it is really the choice. So towards undeniability, in addition to authenticity, comes our work ethic. Um, our work ethic is something that I have discussed or will discuss um, pertaining to sufficiency and momentum. It's understanding how to create momentum in a process by reaching a state of sufficiency in each step and moving on from that step before we move into fear and feelings of lack and inadequacy and guilt and shame, which are the Judeo-Christian legacies of our religious world that our family systems struggle with, even if we don't. Even if we think we don't, seven generations of people in our family exist in our DNA. And it, it's in us. So there's guilt and shame in pretty much everybody. Um, but skipping the notions of momentum and sufficiency, uh, I, I want to talk about work ethic. So the mundane, like paying the bills and showing up on time and you know keeping to your word, which is really bigger than the mundane, but... Things like this, like things that normal people do and prioritize very highly, artists tend to downplay. 
Now, they tend to downplay it because they're focused on maybe their authenticity or maybe just being true to themselves, and that requires a certain narcissism. It requires a certain, you know, don't give a fuck about the world and whatnot. Okay, that's a stage. That's an immature stage of artistry where you're finding yourself. But if you have any sense of yourself, then it really comes down to, like, doing the mundane shit well. Because this crazy thing happens when we do the mundane shit well, it builds this energy. It builds this energy that we take into the artistic stuff. It's almost like, like a dog that sleeps most of the day, and then it wakes up, and it's like, go. Like, yeah, play, eat, jump, tail, ears, fun. It sleeps most of the day. Now, things that we do that are the mundane, you could consider them sleepwalking. They're sort of like, they're not that cool, right? They're not the pinnacle moments of our day. But there's good, there's good data and there's certain spiritual history and like the Sufis and people like this that, you know, most of your day is, is like sleeping a third and then mundane shit a third. And then there's like a third of your day where you might do something cool for 10 minutes. And that's kind of the ratios of it. Now, if you can build that 10 minutes out, you know, if you can start with one moment, one great creative moment, you can build it out to 10 minutes. If you can do 10 minutes, you can build it out to an hour. And you can maybe build it out to two hours. But I mean... Two, three hours of high-level creativity and you're fucked. Your day is done. It's, it's exhausting to function at that high level. Uh, so that's kind of the best we could do. So this mundane stuff, just like sleeping, is like it's a part of the day. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like sleeping, but it's, 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 it also relieves guilt and shame. It relieves the worldly stuff from our subconscious. We get the bills paid. We get the taxes done. We make that phone call that we said we'd call. We do the thing we said we'd do. We clear our conscience, we have integrity, and then when we go to work, boom, we have extra energy. We have higher energy. We're prepped to work. Now, this isn't just a theory, right? Like, I have decades of experience of doing this. I guarantee you this works. It was taught to me, it works. <laughs> So I can only give maybe a, an example of my experience. I'll do today because this is really what started this, this sharing uh, idea for me. So I've been working for the last couple months on something really fucking annoying, really tedious, really unwelcome. I've been working on Dolby Atmos Mastering Room. And if you're a music person, you have some sense of what that is. If you're not a music person, it's the latest and greatest and hopefully last iteration of surround sound. Dolby has come up with this thing where there's the ceiling involved, so there's a, there's a height component. And instead of the music going to different speakers, it goes to an imaginary floating cube where there's objects of sound and you can place the objects in the floating cube and move them around the floating cube. So you might have 11 or 12 speakers, you might have 20 or 50, it doesn't matter. It's going to play out the same on the playback side. That's Dolby Atmos. They've eliminated the tie between the, the music and the speaker. It's more to this virtual space concept that we work. And this thing has been put down our throats as music people because Apple, our corporate lord and savior, and Dolby, the $2 billion a year licensing company that just fucks everyone by saying, hey, you have to pay us for this technology we could give away, but hey, this is our business model because we have 160 patents, or 168, I forget, someone can look that up. 
But they've gotten together, and as of July 8th of 2021, they've forced it down our musical throats. And this may not last, but it may last. It may slowly build. It may turn into something. And so, you know, you can't fight gravity. So my job is to do the best work possible in the music field, and now the music field includes this mandate for Dolby. So here I am, applying the same quality standards that I've applied to two speakers and two-channel audio to 12 speakers and 12-channel audio, which is really more than 12 channels because of the objects. It's 32 objects. It's 64 objects. It's who knows how many objects. It could be up to like 128, theoretically, although I don't think anybody's going to be really busy enough to fill up that many objects. But let's say 64 or less objects floating in a cube. So I've been working on this thing and doing the tedious fucking work of experimenting to figure out what is the best way to set up a mastering room that would absolutely kick ass on every project. So what did I do first? Well, I went to people who know. I went to Capital Studio C and Nick Rivas, and I hired them for a day, and I took in three mixes that were Atmos mixes. One was great, one was medium, one was barely Atmos at all, and I took in some hardware, some hardware inserts, because this is my thought. We need hardware inserts. And I went to their room, and... I did these three things over a 12-hour day. My head exploded learning about Atmos and all these things that you need to know, at least a, a starter course, a little bit of information from Nick, who does it every day. And we turned these three uh, Atmos mixes into three Atmos masters that were all very badass. And he agreed that the hardware was cool and the experiment worked. Now, I learned while I was there that their very expensive PMC monitoring is horrible. And I learned that their insert converters uh, again for non-musical people the things that make digital into into real analog sound and then vice versa they make analog sound into digital their converters are older avid and they're not that great but it still worked so their playback is not that great their converters are not that great but i was able to do some serious upgrading with outboard hardware inserted i think it was maybe 12 objects that i did 12 or 16 objects which wasn't all of the objects in the session but it was enough to make it work so now come back here like okay well i've got better monitoring so i'm going to do better monitoring amps you know cables so we've done all that using you know things that i really like and now i'm into like testing converters which converters for playback which converters for insert and we've done all that and that's almost done and, and all of these things is tedious A-B testing. It requires, you know, all of the skill, of the, all of the listening skill that I have. Much more than doing a record. Like, doing a record is fun because I've done this homework so much. This is like listening to a $10,000 D to A converter putting out two channels of analog versus another converter putting out two channels versus another one. And A-B seeing them gain matched and listening and which one is more accurate which one is best which one is more musical etc so that's been going on you know for the last couple months and tonight it was going into the garage where i have set up four ceiling speakers which are 13 inch round inset martin logan vanquish which are a three-way speaker with an eight inch driver two two and a half inch mid-ranges and a ribbon tweeter and four of those are burning in, in their boxes full of uh, styrofoam, along with my center channel speaker, which is 
going to be the same as my surround speakers, and my surrounds are burning in the closet. So I've got two rigs running, all these speakers burning in, because these things have good components, and speakers with good components take break-in. The better the component, the longer the break-in. And, you know, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> and I'm just checking on it, because I, I had to tear it apart. I had to bring it in here. Yesterday, I did some A to D testing here in the studio, and then, uh, sorry, some D to A testing. Then I take it back there. I'm burning in the garage, and I'm going to bring stuff back in the studio. And this just goes on for a few months while components are coming in and computers are coming in. Well, that computer's not enough. Okay, I've got to buy this computer. Boy, that's too bad. I would have liked to have a Mac Mini for 1200 bucks, but instead it's going to be a 10 grand Mac Pro. You know, all of this tedious testing to make this very complicated result which will ultimately do what? It will do all undeniable, effortless work. Undeniable and effortless work. All of this effort will lead to the moment of doing the work being really fun and easy. And that's, that's the homework part of, of, of the craft of whatever we may be doing creatively. All of that homework stuff matters so much more than we give it credit when we're young. When we're younger, we just look like, yeah, I can do this, and I'm, you know, it's a DIY world, and I'm cool, and I'm talented, and I've had success at whatever level, and I'm just going to go to the next level with willpower or whatever, you know? Now, you can, you can bluster your way to some extent. Some people make a career of bluster, but if you're actually looking to be undeniably great, you have to do tedious work. And you have to embrace tedious work because, really... The Sufis had it right. We can't do hours a day of awesomeness. We, we'd be lucky to do 10 minutes a day of awesomeness. In the beginning, we're just looking for one moment. One moment a day, which is like, okay, that was worth today. That was worth the resources I consumed, the amount of energy, the food I ate, the trips to the bathroom, the errands around town, the, the amount of expense that it costs every day to live in this place, the utilities, etc., you can break this shit down by the day. You can break it down by the hour, although that might make you go a little crazy. But every day there's an expense for your existence that you have to pay, and then and, and that is all going to generally to corporations, unless you have equity in your house, and then you might build a little for yourself. Great. And then you go to have some moments. Some moments. Not some hours. Not some all day. Right? It's not the 60s where we're fucking high and on drugs and we're going to do great shit all day. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. We can't do great shit all day. We're lucky to do great shit for a moment. And if we can stretch it to 10 minutes, great. If we can stretch it to an hour, amazing. If we can stretch it to two or three hours, that's all we're ever going to do. When a touring musician does a two-hour show, that's their whole day. The whole day is geared around that two hours. You wake up, you eat, da -da. you're all planning for the two hours or the 45 minutes. Because that's all people can do. And that's where we are as creative people. We're looking for a moment a day and then we're looking to expand that moment into something that qualitatively is undeniably great. And the effortlessness part Probably a podcast for another day, but I'll touch on it. The effortlessness part is really important because people don't want to hear the labor. They don't want to see how the sausage is made. 
They don't want to see us struggling. Now, they might on social media because that's like PR. It's like behind the scenes. You're doing your own behind the scenes show. But when you actually do the thing, it needs to just flow out of you and be effortless. And the way to do that is to do this homework, to do this tedious, mundane stuff, to build up this energy, this energy where you're free of guilt and shame and burden and worry, and you're just in the moment completely, and you can do this amazing thing that you love to do, and it's undeniably great. And that's what I wish for you. A moment of undeniable greatness. Ten minutes. An hour. And someday, two, three hours a day. At most. I mean, that's might be ambitious. So there you go. I hope that helps. We'll talk soon.